Hey, George here again. Now for another Talking Points bonus episode. In our last episode on difficult conversations, we talked a lot about why difficult conversations are necessary, valuable, and whether you like them or not, ultimately unavoidable. But just because something is unavoidable doesn't mean you don't want to try and avoid it. And it's not always clear whose job it is to broach a difficult subject. Like, if you notice somebody struggling at work, and they could maybe use some advice on how to improve, how might you navigate that situation? And does that change if you aren't their supervisor or they're not on your team? Jellyvision's Billy Kolb had some advice on what he thinks is right. I was struggling with like whether it was my place to give this feedback. And my boss, Sam Hebert, um, coached me on it. And, and she said something that really resonated with me was, would it be kinder to let the other person drown? And I think that difficult conversations, um, especially in a, a management setting, really come down to that. It's like, if you are here to make sure that the people you manage and even you know, other people who you don't manage but you know have a stake in the company's success, um, if you're here to make sure that they succeed, you need to be prepared to have those difficult conversations, to bring things up that other people are not going to necessarily want to hear um, because it is ultimately a kindness. Better talking. We spent some time at the end of our last episode talking about power and how it's a lot harder to approach a coworker with a difficult conversation if that coworker has more power than you. Here's how production manager Amelia Estrich said she navigates this tricky dynamic. I expect them to respect the fact that we are having this conversation and that we are in the moment, peers. Um, so I'm hoping that we can kind of like dispel any power differential if possible. Um, like even if I am coming to someone as their manager, I hope they know that I am coming to them and respecting what they have to say. It's not that I get to have like all of the power in the room. So I, you know, try and give people a little advance warning before we're having those tough conversations because no one wants to be blindsided. Um and then show up and say, here's how I'm feeling, and then say, what do you think? And if the person really doesn't seem to be understanding where I'm coming from, I'll ask them to reiterate, like, what do you think I'm trying to convey here? Um, you know, a little bit of that, like, parroting conversation that uh, that helps make sure that, like, each of us understands the other person's position. No matter the power dynamic, though, difficult conversations are, unsurprisingly, difficult. To help soften the mood, Amelia also talked about how she asks team members what their favorite treat is. You know, just break the ice a little, keep the mood chill. And our expert therapist, David Clow, actually has a name for this tactic. He calls it subcommunicating. So it might be the time of day. It might be that association with a treat. It might be like, yeah, let's just grab lunch or coffee. And that person might feel safe in a way, uh, as long as they're not feeling ambushed or tricked, then their their uh, arousal is going to go up, their suspicion is going to go up, and we're not going to have a very productive, difficult conversation if we're defensive and aroused and on the attack. Even something as seemingly simple as how or where you're sitting can be a form of subcommunicating. Here's Amelia again. I try and do someplace with comfortable seating, um, which also kind of goes into the like physical stance that I try and take, which is 
I try not to cross my arms um, or I'll put my hands on the table if I'm like really stressed out. Keeping that like open body language is very important so I don't just come in and like give the signals of like, this is going to be bad for you. Talking better. So much of what we learned about having difficult conversations is about having empathy and, you know, considering the thoughts and feelings of the people around us, which isn't always easy to do. But the benefit of being a therapist, David explains, is that it gives him a unique perspective on the inner lives of the people he talks to, a perspective that he can then share. I think a lot of people don't have access to the inner lives of those around them, even those that are very close to them. We, we often compare our insides to other people's outsides, which gets exacerbated in social media. So if I'm having strange thoughts and feelings or behave in ways that are inconsistent, I might feel like I'm the only one who does that because I don't really know what people are like in their private lives around me. So the uh, benefit, actually, of being a, a therapist is I'm inside of hundreds of people's lives, thousands over the years. So I've started to get a sense of what is human nature. We all do weird things. We all behave inconsistently. We all have very strange thoughts and feelings. And when the therapist starts to convey to the person, actually, what you're feeling and saying and thinking, that's that's kind of normal. It would make sense that you would feel that in this situation. It'd be we weird if you weren't feeling upset after the loss of this relationship. It actually, research has shown that it can change the brain functioning, the neural pathway functioning in the person's brain. If they're always used to expressing themselves and having it be met with criticism or just being ignored or invalidated, when the therapist starts to respond differently in a novel way, it can open up new neural pathway opportunities for the, the person to think, oh, actually, that would make sense that I feel that way. Do you hear that, listener? We all do weird things. We all have weird thoughts and feelings, and that's okay, because the person you're about to sit down to have a difficult chat with is having weird thoughts and feelings, too. If you can at least find some common ground in that, it might just make things a little less difficult overall. All right, folks, we'll be back in a few weeks with a deep dive on compliments, the art of giving, and the struggle of receiving gracefully. See you then. You look great. And thank you for noticing. I'm talking better.